Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're coming upon now what is the Advent season of the Eastern Lung of the Church, although we have a different name for it. It's called the Phillips Fast. It's called the Phillips Fast only because it happens to begin on the Feast of St. Philip the Apostle on the Byzantine liturgical calendar. So in other words, it begins on the evening of November 14th. You are probably noticing, if you're of the Latin rite, that the Advent season may be just a little bit longer in the Eastern churches. Well, the reason is is because it goes from November 14th all the way through to December 24th. And it is a period, as I mentioned, of preparation, which means anytime you have a period of preparation in the Eastern churches, it's the same actually in the Western churches as well, but particularly in the Eastern churches, when you have a period of preparation, it is always marked by fasting, increased prayer, and increased charity, not in increased shopping, increased eating, increased celebrating. Now, I know that this is a time of joyful expectation, but joyful expectation can actually come in a different way than we sometimes imagine it in our culture. Joyful for us sometimes in our culture means basically being more like when we think of the old pagans, you know, overindulging, partying constantly, having a good time, being happy and joyful, and actually in a kind of an artificial way, actually. But joy comes in a different way, real joy, real Christian joy. It actually comes from the things we might think are counterintuitive to joy, at least as we understand joy. We would not think of joy as coming from fasting, abstaining pulling away from things, being quieter, praying more, actually doing less shopping, less partying, less indulging, less eating. I know this is very difficult, but it is a guaranteed way to actually experience real joy. And in Christian spirituality, joy is not just a good feeling. It's not about just feeling happy. Joy, like all of the words and concepts in our spirituality has a great depth to it. It means a deep, deep inner 
peace, a, a certain happiness. I even hesitate to use the word happiness because that gets superficial in our culture as well. It is something that goes even beyond what we understand to be happiness. Joy is that warmth, that sense of peace and of goodness in the heart, no matter what else is going on, no matter what else we're experiencing. So that's the difference between real joy and what our culture refers to as joy or happiness. Our culture has a concept of happiness or joy that's dependent. It's dependent upon things. And notice how people ask you, well, did you have a good Christmas? As though certain things were to be in order, you know, the partying, the get-togethers, everything had to be right. And if it went right in that regard, then you had a good Christmas. Or you had very good presents that you enjoyed or gave to others that they enjoyed and so on. You did a lot of shopping. But this kind of joy and happiness is dependent upon things. And usually those things are worldly things. The joy I'm talking about is not dependent upon anything, but it comes to us by way of our abstaining, pulling back from indulgence, being less paganistic in our world and in our lives. And a lot of the fact that we now in America have a new president, a lot of the fact that what went on in America prior to the election of our new president In light of a lot of things going on in our culture, families, homes, the church, the world, I think that this particular Philip's Fast, this particular Advent, needs to be taken very seriously by all of us, East and West. And I'm going to recommend some things from the Eastern tradition to help us take this time of preparation very seriously. The first thing, as I mentioned, is fasting, abstaining. Now, fasting is does not mean just from food. Now, it includes that, and I'll recommend this, abstaining from meat and dairy products. That's right, meat and dairy products three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And also abstaining from a lot of things. For example, throughout the day, what I'd like you to do, this will help you in your fasting, it'll help you in your disciplines, in your spiritual disciplines. Go through the day, and every time you want something, no matter how little it is or how big it is, take at least two out of three of those things that you want during a day, and say no to yourself. Just don't do it. Maybe it's a second helping of food. Maybe it's a snack. Maybe it's, oh, just uh, watch another program of TV. Spend a little bit more time on your computer just surfing around or answering emails or arguing with people over different issues in cyberspace or whatever we do, Facebook, etc., etc. If you feel like you're going to go do that, just say no no to that, or no to a piece of it, and do the no thing throughout the day. Not constantly, but often, to little things. And you'd be surprised that it helps you to build up the discipline for larger things, especially for things that we know are sinful, things that we want to move beyond in our lives, especially those nagging sins that just seem to be so repeated in our lives, so difficult to get rid of and to move beyond. I'm suggesting fasting in a number of ways, certainly first and foremost from foods, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but also from all kinds of things. You see, the point here is to get ourselves to move beyond being controlled by anything, especially our passions, things that are attractive to us or addictive on whatever level, not just food, but on whatever level. The reason why we focus on food so much in the church is because, let's face it, that's such a powerful desire. Our food, our hunger, that pain in our stomach when we're hungry. If we can move beyond that, we can move beyond anything. So 
a discipline, a discipline of what I'm going to call asceticism, big word in Eastern churches, to be ascetical in our lives, to have an ascetical discipline in our lives and in our marriages especially. It's essential for a married couple to have disciplines in their lives, which means they have to practice being good monastics. That's right. They have to have a certain monastic element in their lives as a married couple. Even, for example, abstaining from that little comeback line, that little retort, that little criticism when you feel your spouse has said something that you didn't like or challenged you or was impatient, and so you want to kind of flip back at them in kind. Things like that. Abstain from that. That's the monastic dimension. It's dimensions that are monastic in that they are humble, they are consistent with our baptismal vows to be Christians, and they require discipline. And married couples, let's face it, those of you who are married, especially for a long time and happily married, you know what self-discipline has meant to your marriages. Little did you know, you were practicing monasticism in your marriages. So you see how important asceticism is, this saying no to self, because this is a time of year when everything else tells us to say yes, yes, yes to yourself, just satisfy every passion, you know, make even more cookies, eat more stuff, party even harder, drink more, shop more, celebrate more, 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 more. And what do we end up with in the end? Are we different, holier people? Is the world better because we celebrated Christmas in this way? It is not. Try something different. Try saying no, no, no. So that you can say yes, yes, yes to the best things, the right things, the best versions of yourself, the best of everything. Now, the second thing I'm going to propose is prayer. The second thing is prayer. And I'm going to ask you to focus your prayer. And the reason why I want to focus the prayer is because there's a lot of things, and certain things in particular, certain people in particular, I think we really need to pray for. Not only our immediate families and people we know, we know many people who are very much in need of prayer, and we can remember them as well. But I'm going to suggest a specific focus for your prayer this year, and has a lot to do with something that's very consistent with Christmas, the birth of Christ, and where this actually took place. That place, of course, is the Holy Lands. We're going to talk more about how to focus our prayer towards the Holy Lands, the place of Bethlehem, the place of the birth of Christ, when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. 
That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're preparing for the Christmas event, the incarnation, the birth of Christ. And we do so through that wonderful tradition in the East and the West, Advent, or in the East we call it the Philip's Fast. I'm recommending some things from the Eastern traditions to help you to really take this period seriously. I think we really need to look at our country, look at the world, just look at the hurt and the needs of people you know, even ourselves, individually. We need to take this period of preparation seriously. We do so by asceticism. That was the first thing. I'm going to give you three basic areas. First thing was asceticism. That's saying no to ourselves, fasting, foods, all kinds of things throughout the day. The second thing, as I mentioned, is to focus our prayer in a particular way on the place and the people where the birth of Christ took place. Archbishop Silvano Tomasi is the permanent observer of the Holy See to the United Nations. And at an address recently in Geneva, he said this about the children in the Middle East who are suffering the brutal consequences of war. He said, without family, a legal identity, and adequate education, children uprooted by the ongoing violence in Syria and the Middle East are at risk of becoming a lost generation. And Archbishop Tomasi underlined three issues regarding the protection of children in these conflict zones. And believe me, when I was reading his statement, and I won't read all of it today, it was actually hard to get through. It was just gut-wrenching, just gut-wrenching soul-wrenching. And I'll give you a little personal insight here. Whenever I go through the day, and I am privileged to live on 10 acres of beautiful property, restored indigenous vegetation, a beautiful Midwestern prairie at my church of Annunciation, whenever I walk through that prairie, whenever I see the leaves and the trees, when I've enjoyed some of the extraordinarily unseasonally beautiful weather we've had recently, When I see a beautiful child, when I see all kinds of wonderful things, I look up in the sky, it's blue, I see a hawk soaring above, effortlessly gliding on the air currents. 
I take in all this all day long. And you know what I think about? I think to myself, I have the privilege to experience this beauty in absolute peace. I don't have a bomb exploding next to me. I don't see my family being killed in front of me. I don't have the smell of gunpowder and smoke in the air. I don't see my village turn to rubble. I don't have to live in absolute fear. I think how free and privileged I am to appreciate the smallest, most beautiful things in life. And I automatically think of these people in the Middle East, especially the children, that they don't have that privilege at all. They experience things that are unspeakable. As I mentioned, Archbishop Tomasi outlined some of these. I can't even mention a lot of them. But these are three issues he brought up. He said, the issue of stateless children, of whom there are millions, who according to the law were never born. He said, according to the human estimates, about 30,000 stateless children are now living in Lebanon. Stateless children cross international borders alone and find themselves completely abandoned. Children below age 11 and without documents do not have access to basic services, cannot go to school, are likely to be adopted illegally, recruited in an armed group, abused, exploited, or forced into prostitution. So these are phantom kids whose parents have escaped from Syria, but whose name and date of birth were never registered in any office, the archbishop explained. Now, you and I know, you go anywhere in the United States, you want to do something, and oftentimes we're asked for a photo ID, and we whip it out, and everything's fine. Imagine, you can't even prove that you exist, even though you do. I mean, laugh because it's absurd, not funny. The second thing the archbishop says is, urgent need for an education system in refugee camps, especially since it is now clear the refugee situation is not temporary. Currently, the teacher-student ratio in the camps is about 40 to 1,000, and only 50% of Syrian child refugees living in neighboring countries receive education. 5,000 schools in Syria were destroyed, leaving 1.5 million children without schooling. ISIS militants closed schools in areas under their control. You know, we have to remember that we're talking about Muslim children, but also many Christian children, and we're looking at the land where the Prince of Peace chose to incarnate himself among us. It should be the most peaceful place on earth, wouldn't you think? But of all the places, it's the most devastated, unspeakable suffering. And you know, it's only one airplane ride away from us. It seems so remote, just a news item, and we just flip off the news and go to our Christmas parties, go do some more shopping enter into all kinds of distractions with our androids and our phones and so on. And yet there are those who have none of this. They have no life, no identity. The third thing the archbishop said is the generalized violence, which leads to the breakdown of families, forcing many minors to fend for themselves. The archbishop said an additional effort should be made to facilitate the reunification of minors and their respective families. He emphasized that peace in the region is the priority for healthy growth of all children. Now, the Independent International Commission of Inquiry on the Syrian Arab Republic reports more than 10 million Syrians, almost half of the country's population, are displaced, and more than 3 million Syrians are refugees in neighboring countries. 
Another statistic I came across in another source was that of the Syrian refugees that have come to America, and this is an astounding number, 11,000 are Muslim, 56 are Christian. Can you imagine that disparity? It's not a comment against Muslim people. It's certainly a comment on, or a question really of, what is becoming of Christian people? They certainly aren't coming here, whether they're not allowed, or they can't, or they're afraid, or they're going elsewhere. Remember, this is the land. This is the land where Christ chose to be born, to be incarnated in the flesh. And so I'm asking you to focus your prayer personally, as a family. Go to your parishes and ask your pastor if there's extra prayers or services that can be done for the people of the land where our focus goes right now as we look towards Christmas. Bethlehem. Focus on those people and realize how absolutely privileged we are here. And you know what? That privilege can disappear very quickly and easily, much more so than we may realize. The third thing, the final thing then, is charity. Prayer, fasting, or asceticism must always go with charity. In fact, that's the point of the first two, is to help us become more charitable. Just as I'm suggesting in this prayer focus, become more charitable, more cognizant, more aware of the suffering of others, of our brother Christians. But increased charity has to go into every aspect of our life. And it has to start with the people right next to us. Start especially between married couples. I want to suggest something, an image that I use a lot with married couples. The image of the Holy Family. Now, this might seem kind of trite, but I want you to think about it for a moment as I ask couples to do, especially when they're having problems. Just imagine, in fact, I'll give you a little exercise. Take out three big post-it notes, you know, not a little kind, those big sizes, like poster size, three of them. On the first, you're going to write down as a family or as a married couple, exactly how you would imagine a day in the life of the Holy Family. I mean, absolutely in detail, as realistic as you can possibly imagine. And just write it down, just describe it. Paste it up on the wall. The next post-it, try to imagine and write down what your household is like, a day in the life of your household. Put that up on the wall next to the first post-it. Look at the two. Prayerfully pause and look at the two. How do they line up? Where do they not line up? That's the third post-it. On that third post-it for your Advent, your Phillips Fast, as you look towards Christmas, on that third post-it, you will write what I call the Family Covenant. You will write down and agree as a family or as a married couple what it is you will all do or not do so that the first two post-its become much more similar. That is what I mean by charity that begins in the home, fortified and fueled by your prayer and your asceticism. Let's take the Phillips Fast, Advent, very seriously. Our nation needs it, the world needs it, We need it. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. 
Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Matthew Bunsen, a senior editor with the National Catholic Register and co-host of Register Radio with Jeanette DeMello. This weekend on Register Radio, I'll be joined by senior editor Joan Desmond to talk about what it was like to cover one of the wildest presidential elections in American history. And then, Register film critic Stephen Gradanis will tell us about the best movie prospects for the fall and holiday Christmas season. That's Register Radio, every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern and Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, here on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.